Colossians 2 and verse and verse 5. It says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Notice what he was rejoicing to see. The first thing is what I want to point out to you here tonight. He was rejoicing to see, he said, your good order. Why were you so excited about them being in order? <laughs> he re, I mean, literally, he rejoiced about that. He thought, oh, they got it together. <laughs> They've got order in their midst, in their lives. They've got things in the proper place. And Paul took time to rejoice about that. Must be important. Must be that when a person or a group of people, but an individual gets things out of order, it must be quite troubling to the point when they get it in order, it's a cause for rejoicing. Yay! <laughs> Have you ever had anything out of order in your life? <laughs> We should understand about the Lord that He is a God of order. All right? The kingdom of God is not a chaotic thing. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be chaotic. There's not going to be a lot of wondering. Well, what's going on now? <laughs> Who's in charge around here? <laughs> what, what are we to do? And I can't find the keys to my mansion. And, uh, you know, there's just... You know, they're just kind of, what are we going to do for the next thousand years? <laughs> Nobody's got a plan. Nobody's got anything figured out. It's just all chaos, out of order. That's not the way the Lord is. Not at all. He's not that way in our lives. And He doesn't want you to be that way in your personal life. Out of order. Chaotic. We've all had messy things in our lives at different times, right? Anyone ever had a messy garage? <laughs> Even though it's that way, maybe it is, maybe, but don't you hate it kind of on the inside? Uh, I know times when we've had a messy garage, and we've had them a lot, you know, through over the years, but then we set aside a day to unmessy it and uh, organize and declutter and, and get it, and it just feels so good. It just feels like God. <laughs> There's something about things being in their place, things being in order, that I just think is right. It makes us feel good on the inside. It, for me, it helps me think. I don't, I don't know how, how, if that's just a person. I'm not giving you a scripture on that. But it helps me think. I pray better in a neat room. I do because I don't want to think about ah, junk. Sometimes, it, you know. You can pray for an hour in a messy room, or you can take 20 minutes and clean it up and then pray more effective for 45 minutes or 50 minutes or 40 minutes. Doing my math there in my head, sorry. Uh, but God is a God of order. Paul rejoiced when they had things in order. And uh, uh, things out of order is a problem. Is a problem. And this is one thing that the Lord is ministering right now, all right? And, and I think we can all glean from this. But I believe there's some individuals 
as well that in particular there needs to be some things in your life set in order all right uh, you remember over in in first corinthians chapter four, 14 uh, the apostle paul said right at the end of that chapter he said let all things be done in decency and what in order he was talking about how they conduct their services and, and the gifts of the spirit and so forth uh, but god gives us gifts he gives he moves and does things and even what we're the, these kind of services that we're having right now on wednesday nights uh, how many know you can have a lot of out of the ordinary things type type things happen as far as what's normal in a church service but it can still be in order really when we're listening to the lord it's not chaos and I know some, and I'll come back to the individual here, so don't, I'm not going to leave you out there hanging in chaos. <laughs> uh, but many times, uh, those in Christian circles of the Pentecostal or, or charismatic bent are thought of by those in the more traditional um, mainline denominations and so forth as just simply being chaotic and out of control and they just you know many who have never been apart think of some of us that we just swing from the chandeliers and <laughs> and uh, and and there's no you know there's no logical approach or there's no order in doing things on purpose it's all just a free-for-all and everyone just comes in and acts crazy and <laughs> and uh, are there some of you who before you got around say our church or maybe another's like our, that that was your opinion you thought man the charismatics uh, are they just kind of out there yeah <laughs> and uh, and maybe you heard of I know sometimes people have, have thought, well, when those groups, and they get in there and they start speaking in tongues, and they all speak in tongues at once, that's just, I mean, that's out of order. <laughs> but how many understand that you did find people in the Word of God, in the book of Acts, who did that very thing? Amen. They all would pray at the same time. And apparently, you can do that, and it still be in order. And so let's not, let, let's not let this word of alignment and order be just defined by our past or by what we've always thought. Because we have some ideas. This isn't our, you know, for example, my kids, they have a concept of what that means for a room t to be clean. <laughs> Their parents have an entirely different concept of what it means for a room to be clean. Sometimes we'll send them and uh, go clean your room and come back and tell me when it's done. Because otherwise, you know, your parents you forget and then, then they don't do it and you forgot to check. Come back and tell me. They come, come back, you walk in. You have got to be kidding me. Do not tell me that you call this clean. I mean, yikes. What about this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this? Oh. Get on it. Come back and get me when it's done. Half hour later, come back. It's done. All right, here we go. Let's come up and see. You're kidding me. You changed three things. Very first thing I told you was right there, and it's still there. Still 
Yeah, I'm not making it. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> I'm not building this up for effect here. Just to get the point across. This is our world. <laughs> Stretch your hands out. <laughs> Amen. But at the same time here... Uh, I wonder sometimes if we have an idea of order and God says, you have got to be kidding me. He said, I want you to clean this up. you got some things going on here and it is chaos. This is a mess. You are not going to get very far and this is not the way I like it and, uh, and you've got to get some, get some things in order and we come back and say, it's done. <laughs> and he looks and says, no it's not (laughs) now thank God he's merciful and parents should be merciful and gracious with their children too as they teach them Uh, but also there is expectations right you expect them to improve and hear what you say and respond to what you say and we come before the Lord and there's sometimes some clutter there's some wrong thinking there's some behaviors there's some priorities there's some things that need adjusting and he changed there needs to be a reordering of some things in your life and many times we skip right over it and we think that's not me everything is good you ever had something in your house or in your car somewhere it's been there so long that you can't see it anymore (laughs) sometimes maybe something is broken Maybe something, maybe you got a crack in the wall. Uh, you got something or a stain on, a car, on the carpet or something. And, you know, it's been there so long, you walk over it every day or walk past it every day, you don't even notice it anymore. But if someone else comes in, I mean, if usually they won't, hopefully they won't tell you, but <laughs> unless they know you really well, <laughs> they walk in and that's the only thing they see. Huh? And sometimes... We get that way within our own lives. We've been looking in the mirror. We've been considering our own ways. We've been looking at our own lives. And uh, there's just things we're not noticing. Sometimes when you have another person that really cares about you and that can do things in a respectful you know, way, if they're, if they're brave enough, if they really love you, <laughs> they'll point some things out to you and say, you ever thought about this? Unfortunately, too many people are immature to even handle that. Can you say yikes? When we're not mature enough to handle someone pointing out something for our own benefit. But many times the Lord will do that as well. And the Lord will do that. We understand that sometimes He'll do that just on a one-on-one basis, and that's when it's really nice because it saves you any, saves your face with everybody else. <laughs> but sometimes He will do it through other people as well. Right? Again, we've been going so long, we've been acting a certain way, we've been thinking this way for so long, and uh, we don't even notice that it's wrong. We don't notice that something's out of place, and it's way out of order. And if we go that way long enough, things start cluttering up. I think I may have told you the story before, but uh, Amy and I went to uh, this house one time. This is years ago, and it's no one in here, and uh, <laughs> not, not even in this city. Uh, but we had to visit someone at this particular house and 
it was a pretty nice house. It was good size and, and uh, you know, newish house and uh, not a piece of junk, but, you know, the lawn wasn't exactly cleaned. You know, there was stuff around. And, uh, all right, we can, you know, we're just going in there. But you walk in the house, and literally, you could hardly get anywhere. Because, you know, a hallway, I don't know, how, halls, how wide is the hallway? Three feet. Uh, three feet hallway. There's probably a foot on each side of stuff. I mean, you're just kind of walking through. And it's not just on the bottom, it's built up. You know, and, all, and then if you get into every room. We were just shocked. I'm like, ah, God inside of me cried. <laughs> ah, where's order? Where's order? It was just so messy. And, and yeah, and it was just so cluttered. There was so much stuff. And we had to talk to this guy, and we went into a room, and there was nowhere to sit. Literally, there was a couch, but it has full of laundry. And then there was a desk there with a computer and just stuff everywhere. And the laundry might have been clean, but you can't really tell at that point. I'm sure they got it mixed up. Heidi, can you not? Is that is these underwear clean or dirty? <laughs> ah, good enough. <laughs> Uh, you can you can end up stinking. <laughs> you don't get things in order, and uh, anyway, I couldn't help myself at one point. I made some joke about where to sit. <laughs> he didn't he didn't laugh, <laughs> but everything was fine after that. But so I'm thinking, how can someone get to this point? You know what the answer is? Little by little, over time. Things build up, and, things, and they don't deal with stuff. And that's one of the things the Lord wants to happen in our lives is we deal with stuff. If we don't, pretty soon we don't see it anymore. And we think it's okay. We think that's just a part of my life. It's just, it's always been there. What's wrong with it? We go long enough, we'll start fighting for it. Someone questions, what are you coming against me? <laughs> Something, something wrong with this? And people argue and fight for their, their traditions and their ways above God's ways. And there's a lack of order in their life. All right? Now, how many understand when we talk about these things? You think about order. That means some things come before other things. If, there's an, if there is order in a person's life, not only is it decluttered so to speak and I'm not just talking about natural outward stuff that's the illustration even though sometimes it's a manifestation of what's on the inside of you Uh, but when a person has things in order that means there's a priority system in their life some things are very clearly more important than some other issues in life when a person doesn't have order see this group of people they knew Paul rejoiced with them because they had good order. They had good order. What does that mean? I think one of the things it means is they knew what was most important. And they had the Lord holding a certain place in their life. And that was first. 
and they had other things coming in proper order. And what's happening and what is a reality here in some lives is not that the Lord is not important to you, not that He's not in your life, but He's not in the right place. There are some other things in your heart that have taken preeminence over Him, and therefore there's, a, there's an out-of-order state in, in your heart. And this is what the Lord wants to help you to get right. Because again, when we talk about order, understand uh, that certain things, certain things must take place before other, other things. You don't take the tenth step before you take the first step. You have to do them in order. And sometimes people don't want to deal with step one, two, three, four, five, because they've got a big vision. <laughs> and it's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It's those steps way up there. And so they want to skip the, but you can't get to there. You must pass these other steps. If things are out of order in your life, you're trying to do that thing way down there without doing what's in front of you. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be frustrated because you're never, ever going to get to that place. This is why patience is very necessary. Patience meaning you're constant, you stay the same even though you want to be down there, but you're not yet. You continue and press on. Listen, the enemy is not patient. You think, he, you think the devil's got the fruit of the Spirit? What does this mean? It means you can outlast him. Yeah, he wants to stick up his ugly face and, and uh, put up a good fight. Why? What's the purpose? To get you to quit. To get you to stop or to get you your eyes focused on the wrong thing. But as we stay focused, he's not going to make it. <laughs> he's not even going to make it. But you are because you've got the Spirit of God inside of you enabling and empowering you to be stable, to be constant, and to continually move forward in faith, taking every necessary step to keep your life in order. You see, again, God is not chaotic. He's not confused about what he wants to do in your life. He's not pulling his hair out thinking, ah, I didn't think of that. Mm. I, I did not know they were going to do this. I didn't know they were going to be here. He's got it all figured out. And he's got, I think we mentioned recently, he's got a master plan for your life. A master plan means you, first you do some things, then you do something else. Then you build on over here. Then you build up here. Hmm? And you do things in a certain order. But you don't just jump and skip all the small things and get to the big thing. Amen. And so what do we need? What, what, what's absolutely necessary in our lives? We listen and let the Lord stir us to change. And let him draw your attention to something that may seem insignificant. That's well, because it's just been there so long. It doesn't seem like a big deal. But from God's perspective, he's walking into the house and going, He, 
Yikes. You need to do, you got some work here. And listen, none of us are alone. All of us have some work. <laughs> in other words, we're, you know, like we say sometimes, we are a work in progress. Spiritually, we're complete. But then nat- naturally and in our minds and discipline and, and walking and following after Him, uh, we're a work in progress. We've got some things to work on. The Lord's going to help us. Going to help us. So we're going to set aside any thinking that goes contrary to His will and His ways. The moment we know it, it's our commitment. Lord, I'm changing that. The moment He points out that little crack in the wall, here comes the putty. Hmm. The moment He points out, your faucet's dripping, man. <laughs> I'm going to go get that faucet fixed. I'm not talking about your house now. How many understand? That might be important, but it's not as important as us getting our hearts right and living our lives right before God and having things in order. Anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? Is the Lord speaking to some hearts here? You acknowledge that already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the Lord wants to help us. He actually wants us to get down the road a little ways. He wants us to be there. He wants us to walk in, in some really good stuff. But some things have to be set in order before we get there. And it's the reason you came, you came tonight. Amen. There's some people in particular. You didn't know it, but that's the reason you came to church tonight. Because God's tweaking some things in your life. And He wants you to know it. And He wants you to know how he, he, He'll help you to get it done. He'll, he'll help you to straighten it out. He'll help you to switch your priorities. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? When we worship God, as we did and as we will, you know what that helps us to do? It helps us to get things in order. Because this is a first things first type of behavior. Amen. Sometimes people make sure that they seek the Lord first thing in the morning when they get up. I think that's a good practice. However, I think the main thing is you seek the Lord first in your life with all of your life, whether it's whatever time of the day you set aside. Uh, I don't have a scripture on that per se. You know, we seek Him early and so forth, but uh, we also meditate on His Word in the nighttime. And so scriptures that talk about different times of the day, but in your life. And so one way to get things, some of those things straight is to take time like we, like we are here tonight. And just give Him thanks and give Him praise and worship Him and give Him honor. And, Lord, and, we, and, and we just stay with it. Stay with it. What are we doing? We're straightening some things out. Where some other things have become too important. Some other things we're giving too much attention to. Someone said, yeah, but I got problems. That's why you should do this. And get this on top of your problems. You must get to the point with the Lord where you are not considering how bad a situation is. Where you can literally forget about it. Amen. I'm not saying you're not going to think about it ever again. But you get to a point where you're just full of who He is. You're just so happy and glad for what He's done. And I can't think of anything wrong anymore. Hmm. What? Is there, a, is there a problem? Is there a bill? Is there a pain? 
Many people have been healed of things because they got so focused on the Lord, they forgot about the problem. When they went back to it, they realized, oh, it's gone. It's all better. Why? Order! They got things right. They got their mind right. They got their priorities right. One thing is before another. And there's nothing more important than Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In John chapter 11, Lazarus was sick. And he died. Bummer, huh? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's not the way to go out. How many understand that? Some said, don't you have to be sick to die? I mean, we're all going to die eventually, so we all have to get sick sometime, right? Actually, no. Sickness is a curse that we've been redeemed from. Amen? And uh, say, isn't death a curse? Well, yeah, physical death is a curse too, but uh, that part of it uh, we have to endure unless the Lord comes back before that time. He, the Lord never promises that we, we would physically live forever. You know, we'll live forever outside of this physical body till it's made new and made right. But in the meantime, it doesn't have to be sick. Right. Amen. People have believed a lie, and they've been taught in, wrong in church for a long time that, you know, you have to be sick and eventually especially when you're old you have to get sick because something's got to kill you <laughs> and uh, no that's actually not true all right and especially here with Lazarus Lazarus was too young it wasn't he, he, I mean you don't have to get sick to die anyway but especially if you're young I mean what a tragedy but nevertheless he did he was dead for four days to the place where he got and he, he stunk the Bible said and uh that's what the Bible said. Amen. And uh, let's see. I got to find find the place where I want to go. Verse verse thirty eight. Lazarus was dead four days. Jesus went to see him. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was against it. Jesus said, "Take away the stone." Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him. Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. I like the King James Bible there. It said, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> I don't know why I like that more. Just, it's just fun to say. He stinketh. <laughs> and it's a little bit nicer. You know, you can imagine walking up to a friend and say, wow, that's a stench on you. <laughs> you stinketh. That's a little bit better <laughs> uh, Jesus said to her did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God what's key to seeing the glory of God believing, believing. that's simple isn't it that's easy what, what would you say if a person has not seen much glory in their life not much believing going on that's but like we said recently that's curable <laughs> you don't have to live your life in unbelief you don't have to live your life naturally where you never have God doing stuff supernaturally and speaking to you and providing for you and, and directing you. You know that it's Him. Hmm. It's the, when the glory of God, He said, if you believe, man, you'll see the glory of God. 
Yeah, we ought to be having some glory because we're believers. Hey, we're word people around here, right? Come on, what does the word produce? The word produces faith. It produces in us the ability to believe certain things. Amen. And that then produces a seeing of the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where uh, the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Thank you that you have heard me. That's interesting. Why is Jesus doing that? Why is Jesus saying, thank you, Father, that you heard me? He said, I, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. I think, think that's interesting. You ever had an opportunity maybe with some relatives, they were over for Christmas or Thanksgiving, and you thought, well, I don't know if I really want to, you know, start preaching to everybody. So you put it in a prayer. Nice lengthy prayer. <laughs> Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for sinners all around this world and whoever would believe in him. <laughs> Amen. And, and you, you just thank him for your salvation and you include the gospel. And, and then, Lord, I'm not saying this really because of myself here. I mean, we already kind of have this understanding. I'm saying it for my heathen relatives who are sitting at the table with me. <laughs> Maybe you want to say it that way, maybe you don't, I don't know. But Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus, that's, that's interesting, that's the reason he said that. He looked up and started praying to God because of the people around him. Well, I'll tell you one thing that does. How many understand that Jesus is in the spotlight right now? Everyone's looking at him, see what he's going to do. That's not really the way you want things. I know when, when I minister and while I speak now or when we minister to the sick and do different things one thing I don't want is everyone to say okay let's see what he's got and I know most of you don't but if that's the case let's see what that person can do it seemed Jesus wanted the attention to be drawn upward he started looking up and he wanted everyone to know where he came from and that's likewise true with us. Why do we worship? Why do we spend so much time in a night like this where we just keep worshiping? So we get our eyes where they're supposed to be. If we don't, where are we looking? We're looking for an answer. Oftentimes we're looking for answers from people. But I know this. I know in my ability to teach or even speak prophetically, it is greatly enhanced when people look to the Lord who then anoints and gives me things. If a person is looking to me, you're not going very far. I mean, there's, there's a great limitation there, all right? But if a person looks to the Lord and, it's, and then it's going to come through me or maybe another person, there's no limits there. God can say anything and do anything. And I think Jesus here knew that. And everyone's standing around looking at him. And he said, I said this because of all the people standing by here, that they may believe that you sent me. That they may believe that you sent me. What do I, what do I need? I can put myself in this own position, but you can too because you're a believer. 
What do I need? I need you to believe that God sent me. I really do. If you believe that about me, I can become more effective in speaking and ministering and doing whatever God has me to do for you in your life. All right. If you believe I just some dude that showed up thinks he's something, well, you're not gonna get anything. Amen. And and literally, it can happen this way. You could be sitting right next to someone, and the opposite is happening. This person believes, man, this is something that God is doing. This is a work of God. God sent him, or whoever's doing something. It's not about me. I know that. But God sent him to do something, and they're because of that. They're getting good stuff. And the other person say, well, yeah, whatever. What is this? And they'll get nothing. And they're sitting right next to each other. Well, you, most of you know uh, the story from uh, Mark chapter 6 where Jesus, the Bible said, went to his hometown. Went to his own hometown where he grew up. Because how many understand he grew up as a kid. And, and people, he went back there to minister thinking, hometown come back here going to do some ministry and help these people i mean i'm sure he probably cared a lot about those people i mean don't we if you came from somewhere else you go home and it's kind of special to you where you grew up and you and you know and you know some people there wouldn't it be great to see their lives changed wouldn't it be great to see their them healed and yet jesus showed up in town and they said well what's he all about what is this we hear about him we don't believe this i mean didn't he grow up here we know his parents we know his brothers and sisters, and we, we know his family, and, and what is this? And, and, you know, the Scripture says there that because of that, it says he could there do no mighty work. It didn't say he wouldn't. It didn't say, oh, you suckers, I'm just going to I'm cruising out of town then. You're going to treat me like that? You're going to talk about me behind my back? You're going to act like I'm out of here? Hmm? No. It says he couldn't do. In fact, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I was told by one who was that it literally, what it meant there, it said he tried to but couldn't. Sometimes think, well, sometimes we try real hard, but we just can't get it done. But Jesus too. Why? And he went on to explain. He said it was because of their unbelief. In other words, they didn't see him as being sent by God. It wasn't a matter of them seeing him as the son of God or God in the flesh. That wasn't even necessary for them to see that at that point. They just had to see that he was sent by God. That it wasn't just a human, just a man doing this. It was the spirit of God working through a man that enabled him to do supernatural stuff. Amen. And that's necessary in our day, in our age, for us to be able to recognize something more than just the human element of any ministry you should be able to see in people you're sitting around and associate with that are believers more than just their human side because they have a divine spark inside of them amen been been, been partakers of the divine nature the scripture says yeah amazing got the divine nature of God inside of you you were born of him and we can see this and then also recognize because that's true for all Christians but God will send people 
He'll send you somewhere. He'll send you somewhere. He'll send you to give a word, to speak, speak life, to pray for someone. He'll send you to do something. And when people can recognize that it's not just you, but it's God who sent you. I mean, you know what, what that does to their faith? Whoop! Yeah. See, see, that's one of the reasons why the Lord helps us sometimes with things like a word of knowledge. How many know you can receive from the Lord without a word of knowledge? But a word of knowledge being a, you know, a supernatural revelation from, of things in the mind of God that are from the past or present. If, if uh, someone comes to you and they say, you've got a certain condition in your life or certain physical condition, and there's no way they could know naturally. How many know that gets your attention? It's like, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm not smart. I'm not smart enough to know that. I don't know these things. But the Lord loves you. He showed me that. How many know their faith for healing just goes whoop? (laughs) Because if He can tell you about it, He can also set you free. Amen. Amen. Now, you don't have to have that, but you can see why. It helps people to get their mind off of the human side and realize, man, God is behind this. This is something God is involved with. And when you know that God is involved with what you're doing in your life, your faith will skyrocket. If I, if I believe and I get into a rut concerning what God has called me to do, and I think, this is all just me. I tell you what, I'm in trouble. Because my, my faith is going to go down the tubes and I'm going to be able to be discouraged and run out of gas. But I always have to be mindful that it's God who ordained it. That it's God who works in me. God who works through me. And if we're reminded of that constantly on an individual basis, that the Lord has something for me to do. He is directing my steps and leading me in the way I should go. I can make it. I can do it. I can overcome. Sure, the pressure's on. Sure, the devil wants to attack. But I've got the Spirit of God in me. And and, and He's backing me in what I'm doing. You knowing and recognizing the, the God side and God element of your life will absolutely make all the difference in the world. Amen. 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 Some of you have things on your heart that, that the Lord wants you to do. Don't forget it's the Lord who wants you to do it. Don't forget it's the Lord because you'll be talked out of it at times. You'll think, oh, that's just me. That's just me. The enemy will plant thoughts all day long. That's just me. I can really do anything. It doesn't really matter what I do. It's not going to make any big difference in the end. Or I'll just, I mean, I'm saved, so that's the important thing. It doesn't really matter what I do. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I can just go do something else. I can do this. Or No, you can't. When the Lord leads you to do something, thank you, Lord. That's order. That's, that becomes the most important thing now. And that is the primary target of the enemy. Is to discourage and get you to give up that. Because if that is out of place, everything else gets out of place. If that main thing gets out of focus, everything else is messed up in your life. 
So what, what do you mean by that? Let me, let me explain that, that principle. Uh, uh, we did, well, I did a series about six years ago and, uh, on this subject. Oftentimes, when a person has problems in their, with their children, it's because there's a problem in the marriage. Oftentimes, when a person has problems in the marriage, it's because of their, the lack of their priority in their relationship with God. Many times when people have trouble on the job, it's not directly related to, I'm in the wrong job or this just is working with the wrong people. It's a problem with something that's higher up than that. Something that's more important. And oftentimes when you get the main thing out of place, it trickles down and it starts eating away at everything else in life. That's why, man, I tell you what, this is so important. But then there are some individuals in particular in here, man, you can't give up what the Lord put on your heart. You can't give up what the Lord wants you to do. You can't let yourself be discouraged and think, I can't do this, man. It's just, it's hard, it's difficult. It's got to be kept in, in, in the right place. And then the Lord's blessing will trickle down. Trickle down to affect everything. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Again, Jesus said, I prayed this because of everybody else watching. I needed everyone to know that, I'm from, that, that you sent me. Everyone needs to know that you sent me. Praise God. Now, when he had said these things, Lazarus cried, uh, said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I could animate that, but I, you get the point. There's an exclamation point there. So in other words, he didn't. Lazarus. Wasn't one of those. <laughs> Did Jesus get, get loud sometimes? Yeah. Do you think he was quiet sometimes? Yeah. But sometimes he was loud. He was loud okay. Yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time believing <laughs> that when Jesus would cast out demons that he was particularly nice to them. Well, you foul, unclean, <laughs> demonic spirit. You're going to have to just exit. No, I see more when Jesus was dealing with these spirits that were ravaging people's bodies and messing up their lives and causing such harm and pain. They'd throw the little kid and he'd start, you know, going into a seizure and a yeah. demonic junk. Jesus would get aggressive, speak directly to the spirits. And uh, I think... Again, this is my experience. I think I've felt righteous indignation or whatever you want to call it towards evil at times when praying for people. Times when I'm praying and someone's sick or they're messed up with cancer or something like that and something inside of me just goes, oh! I don't want to be nice to it. But it's not the person, so you've got to temper that. <laughs> you know? Don't think I'm yelling at you. I'm, I, I love you, that's why. But I want to say, get out of there! I just want to just want to rip that thing out if it's a demonic spirit. Get the heck out of here! You know what I'm talking about? Because it's wrong. So anyway, Jesus yelled at the tomb. <laughs> Amen. Lazarus, come forth, and he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth and. Uh, well, j just picture that for a moment. How in the world does that happen? 
He's in the tomb. They, he said, move the stone. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he's bound up. You know, they used to mummify people in those days. And uh, so he's pretty tight. You know, he's, and he comes out. How does that look like? <laughs> I don't know. So he got, <laughs> how, how did he come out? Or was it just supernaturally? Because it's <laughs> been interesting to see. He who had died came out bound hand and foot. So he's all tied up. Amen. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. And, and what, what's the picture here? Is Lazarus at this point alive? Yeah. The dead body is no longer dead. Lazarus has come back from paradise. Come back from Abraham's bosom. Remember, he was down there for four days. All right, hanging out with Abraham and all the guys. Right? And Jesus started, maybe that's why Jesus yelled. I don't know. He was way down there. But Jesus shouted, and Lazarus came up, and he comes up in his body, and he goes, mm, mm, mm. I mean, imagine that. He's it's like, okay, I'm alive now. What did they do to me? When he died, he wasn't all bound up like that. He died, he was probably laying on a bed, but now he comes back and, get me out of here. And he comes bouncing out. <laughs> and Jesus said, loose him, right? And let him go. So, in other words, he's alive on the inside, but he's still got stuff on him. Just naturally, he's got that, those grave clothes and whatever they use, the mummification stuff. And he's bound on the outside. That is true symbolically of where some Christians live today. They're alive on the inside. They have, they have life in Christ. But there's still a bunch of grave clothes hanging on them from the past. They're not a part of the Christian life. They're not a part of who they are and, and how they're alive in Him. But they're a part of that. They're a part of death. And this is one of the things the Lord wants to help knock off of people. Amen. They're bound. They're bound, but they're free. But they're bound. They're alive. They're free in Him. But there's too much junk from the past still hanging on. Amen. And I believe that uh, that needs to get knocked off. Needs to get knocked off. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I think I want to take a moment tonight and, uh, and lay hands on a few people who are feeling exactly that.